like she'd bounce me the ball and say, say something louder, say it louder. And that's why I talk the way I do. Um, uh, you can ask my mom about that. And uh, she, can pr- she can probably tell you stories about talking with me about volume. Might not have been that way, but um, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and look in verse number 9. Verse number 9. It says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I love that there, that, that verse there, know, uh, the beginning of it. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, I'm thankful he is my God, says he is God. He is God overall. He is the one true God. But then that, those next three words there, the faithful God, the faithful God. I, I want to talk to you tonight about our faithful God. And um, I got excited about this and lo- looking at this and I'll kind of lay out kind of how I came to this message. And um, first off, um, I have talked with multiple people about some of the stuff in this message, and I don't want you to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm shooting at you with this or taking a chance to say, hey, I know they really need this. Um, this, this was a message I really needed. And um, so if I have talked to you about anything in this message here, um, it's, it's just because that's what God's been dealing with my heart about. Um, the beginning of, uh, or this summer, I was praying on what our theme was going to be in the youth service. Every year we take a theme. And um, so I was praying, and I have a paper in my Bible that I write uh, all kinds of ideas and, and try and work down which ones. And so I was praying and looking and looking and um, asking God which one. And I came on level up, level up, um, uh, taking it to the next level, if you will. And um, in our relationship with God, in our spiritual life, going to the next level, no matter where we're at. And uh, I got excited about it because um, last year with the teenagers, we looked at it's personal and um, that it was personal from God to us. As God looked at us, God chose us, God made us and um, looked at some of that and then how it is to be personal from us to him. And so then this year, um, looking at uh, level up, taking it to the next level. um, And I was looking at it and I got excited because um, I thought this, that um, every one of my teenagers needs to take it to the next level. Um, but I need to take it to the next level just as much. And every one of my workers out there really need to take it to the next level. No, um, but, um, man, and I got excited about it because this, no matter if from the, the teenagers to me as a youth pastor in there to the oldest person in the pews in here, every one of us in our Christian life and our relationship with God need to take it to the next level. Um, we still have growth, each one of us, until God takes us home. There's something we need to grow. And I was excited about it. Cause I, and I, I started looking at things like, oh, I, I'm going to preach this to the teenagers and some of the application, how it applies in their life. But here's how it also applies in my life. And um, so going through some of that, and I, I, I've enjoyed it. And um, uh, But so next level. And so I went to... Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And of course, at the, the end of chapter, uh, verse 2, it says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I talked to, um, I've been t- talking to them and looking at, there is an acceptable will, there is a good will, and there's a perfect will. And that God wants us to grow in that. And I'm not going to preach all those messages, um, but as I did that, as I, as I go through a theme verse, 
first thing I like to do the first couple of weeks is take that theme verse and really break it down and take it piece by piece and look at what it is saying. And um, man, I, I began to do that and God gave me something special from Romans 12 and verse 1. And uh, of course, very familiar verses. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And as I begin to break that down, of course, it says brethren, doesn't say pastors or, or someone in full-time ministry. It's, it, it's to all Christians is what that is. And it says, um, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, then it says that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. And I was getting to that part, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, set apart to God, acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. And I was getting to that part. But first, before you get to that part, you have to look at by the mercies of God. And, um, you know, as I started looking at that and sharing that with them, um, I, and I, then I started going back to the mercies of God and thinking that what that verse is saying that when it's about to ask of us to present our bodies, to sacrifice ourselves for what God wants, the only way for me to do that is to have my eyes on his mercy. Obviously, the only way I can do that is through his mercy. Each one of us is a sinner. There's no good thing in us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. And there is no good thing. So I, it's only through his mercy that I can do anything. Um, especially anything for him. I, I, I should not be in his service. I, 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 should, I should not be able to help influence anyone. I, I deserve just to burn in hell. So it's only through his mercy. So obviously it starts with salvation there. But then also as I look at presenting my bodies a, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service, acceptable unto God. Man, when, I, when I'm looking at that, the only way that I can continue to be willing to sacrifice for him is when my eyes are on his mercies and what he's already done for me. Then keeping my eyes on him. And then pastor preached uh, Sunday night and he went to Matthew chapter 14 about Peter walking on the water. And we all know the story is they're out there and the storm's going and Jesus comes walking. They're like, ah, who's that? And he's like, don't be afraid. It's just me, guys. And um, uh, Peter's like, well, if it's really you, Bid me come on you. And he said, come. And so Peter just goes walking out on the water, doing that which is impossible. Um, kind of like we are supposed to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. No good thing in us. We can't be holy and acceptable to God in and of ourselves. So doing that which is impossible. And Peter is walking on the water doing that which is impossible. But then he has a problem. He looks at the circumstances, right? And he gets his eyes off of Christ and what Christ is doing and on the circumstances and he begins to sink immediately and um, man is that not us as we're going along in life I'm supposed to be living my life for him a sacrifice daily living for him but I get my eyes off of him man so quickly I may be going along trying to keep my eyes on him but so quickly a circumstance comes up or something that I think I deserve is missed. And I start looking at myself or at all the things going on around me. And when my eyes are on myself and on the circumstances around me, I have no desire to sacrifice to him. And 
so I was looking at that and I was thinking this and looking at different things in my life and different situations. Um, and it's funny because sometimes we get our eyes off of Christ and there is a big situation or circumstance that comes in that rocks our boat and gets our eyes off of Christ. And sometimes we can look and say, that is, that is what happened there. Um, uh, for, for instance, the four-wheeler accident when um, my girls were in the accident. Um, man, that rocked my boat. And um, I, 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 I struggled with the Lord there on that day and looking, and I didn't even want to pick up my Bible. It, it rocked my boat, a circumstance that happened there. And that was a big circumstance. Um, man, sometimes it's not even a big circumstance. Um, I wish I could say that my eyes are fixed on him, that it takes something big to get my eyes off of him. Sometimes it's some little thing, a word that is spoken, or something that I think I deserve that doesn't come through, or a small problem that in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably going to forget about later. But all of a sudden, my eyes get focused right back in on me, kind of almost like, um, he's not a good guy, okay? Not someone we should emulate. But King Ahab, um, here he is, king of Israel, has pretty much anything he wants. But he looks out and he sees this little vineyard. And he says, I want the vineyard. And they're like, uh, no, this is, this is my heritage. I can't give it to you. Oh, he goes in and throws himself down on his bed. I won't eat any bread. I can't have that vineyard. And, uh, and he didn't even want it for a vineyard. He said, I want to make it a garden of herbs. And, um, but life was over for him. So until his wife came in and saved the day and killed Naboth and, and his family, if you look at it, um, and took that, that vineyard from him. Um, really, in the grand scheme of things, even for Ahab to not have that vineyard, that's a small thing. He's king over all the land. And yet, um, in our lives, sometimes it's just the small thing that get our eyes off. And um, man, I, uh, so I was preaching on some of these things to the teenagers. Uh, man, by the mercies of God, keeping our eyes on God, and that's why we're willing to sacrifice. And uh, looking at this, the last couple weeks, God was speaking to my heart and preparing me. And then um, pastor, of course, preaching on it last Sunday. And uh, I, I had to step back and look at me and say, um, Adam, you've had your eyes on some circumstances that are frustrating you, um, that, are, that are irritating you. And, um, man, I started looking at some of those things that I thought, well, I shouldn't have to do this, or I shouldn't have to deal with this, or this should work this way. Or, um, and started looking at some of those things. And so God started to speak to my heart on that. And um, he also spoke to my heart through my daughter, um, every once in a while, my daughter can help me out here. And um, Evie started having some of those problems with her eyes and going through that. And, you know, it's easy as a dad to be like, she should not have to go through this. Man, oh, Lord, what in the world? That, that, that shouldn't happen like that. And um, uh, she was having a little hard time about it. I, I was acting like I wasn't having a hard time about it for her. But uh, I was having a hard time with it. And um, I was talking with her. And um, I started just to remind her of things that God has done for us. 
and things that God has given us. And uh, here again, I thank you all. The, the big one that I ended on was the air conditioner and um, how God has always, always came through for us. I started talking to her about that and reminding her about that. And um, I told her how much her mom and I love her and how I would do anything I could to take hard times from her and put them on myself. But I told her, there's someone who loves you way more than I. And she said, God. And I said, and he's always been faithful, just like he's going to be through this. And God was thumping me on the head a little and saying, you can tell it to someone else. What about you? And so I just got back to thinking of how faithful God has been. Um, I've been singing, he's been faithful, faithful to me. Looking back, his love and mercy, I see. Though in my heart, I had questioned, even failed to believe that he's been faithful, faithful to me. I'd sing it for you. I could remember all the words that way, but you all would just leave the church. So we're not going to do that. Um, But I began to look at how faithful he's been. And it reminded me, when my eyes are on him, the problems, the frustrations seem so small. All because of where I'm looking. And so tonight, if we can, I just want to do a Bible study on a couple of things where God is faithful. So if you would take your Bibles, we're right here in Deuteronomy. I want to read this verse again because I've been getting excited about it the more and more I think about this. So Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy to them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Obviously, there's a lot we can pull out there, and I'm going to try and pull out one thing from verses. Otherwise, we'll be here all night. And and I'm thankful about it. Man, if you start looking at God and his attributes, we'd never leave this church. And um, I'm thankful that he's a good God that has so many good attributes. But but I see here that, that the faithful God, he is the faithful God. That is who he is. Um, You know, when I started thinking about that, um, I thought of how unnatural that is for us. We have to choose to be faithful. Um, I I think all the way back as a teenager, I made a commitment to God to read my Bible every day. And how many times I failed in that? Because faithfulness does not come easy to us. It's not natural. With God, it's just natural. It's one of his attributes. It's who he is. He is the faithful God. And so we're going to look at a couple areas here. Um, If you would turn with me to Psalms 139. I'm going to have you use your Bibles a little. This is our, our Bible study time. So Psalms 139, and look down in verse number 7 through 11. We see God is faithful in his presence. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, 
Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. I love those verses there. There's nowhere I can go that God is not there. If I go up to heaven, if I go down to hell, if I fly on the wings of the morning, if I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, God is everywhere. And I'm thankful for that because um, with God being everywhere, he can work on me anywhere. Man, you don't have to look any farther than Jonah for this. Here Jonah is, and Jonah, a man of God, and he's there, and God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, ain't no way. They're not worth it. I'm not going there. And he goes down to the seaport, and he's like, where can I get on a boat that's going the opposite direction? Joppa. I'll go to Joppa. And he gets on that boat, and he goes out thinking, I'm going away from the Lord. And God is very evidently present there with the storms that arise. And those guys are like, we've never seen a storm like this. And they're throwing everything overboard and doing everything they can, and they can't get it. Finally, they, they draw lots and find it's Jonah. And they're like, what's wrong? He's like, well, I disobeyed God. God told me to go to Nineveh. Um, they're like, well, what are we supposed to do? He's like, you just got to kill me. Throw me overboard. And they're like, no, no, we can't do that. So they try and try and try. Still not getting anywhere. So finally, they're like, man, we're, we're going to have to throw you overboard. And Jonah's probably thinking, well, maybe if you throw me overboard, I'll just die and I'll get some peace. And they throw him overboard and here comes a whale. Whoosh, swallows him. And Jonah's in the belly of the whale. And you know who's there? God. God is there. God's like, Jonah, what are you doing, man? I told you what to do. You're my child. Do you think I'm just going to leave you alone? Man, I'm going to keep working on you until you get right. And aren't you thankful for that? Man, has there ever been a time as a child of God that you're running from him? You're trying to get away. And yet God is there knocking on your heart's door saying, you're not getting away from me. You're my child. Where are you going to go? I am everywhere. My presence is here. I am faithful. You're not getting rid of me. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for times God kept knocking on my door, even though I was, I was bullheaded and I was like, no, I'm not going to turn around. I'm not going to do what's right. And God's knocking on my heart door and saying, Adam, you're not getting away. You're not getting away. You better get right. I'm thankful for that. He never leaves us. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm thankful for that. I'm held in his hand. Pastor talked about that a couple services ago. Man, he's got me in his hand. He's like, there's nowhere you can go that you'll get away from me. Why? Because I'm the faithful God. And even though you may not be faithful, I am faithful. Man, I'm thankful for that when I'm running. I'm thankful for that when I, I just fall out of the way, if you will. Of no intent, no purpose. I, I'm, I'm going along and, man, um, maybe I find myself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Any of you ever been there? Like, this is not somewhere I should be. And yet there's God there saying, hey, Adam, let, let me show you how to get back where you need to be. And I'm thankful for him. He's faithful in his presence with me. Turn with me to 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter 1. I'm thankful that he is faithful in forgiveness. Faithful in forgiveness. 1 John chapter number uh, 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm thankful that the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's in anybody. God says, I am faithful. I am always ready to forgive. 
I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you're headed. If you will come to me and you will come for forgiveness, I offer it free and clear. I'm always ready to forgive. He is faithful in his forgiveness. I'm thankful for that for salvation. Man, I already mentioned I deserve to be burning in hell. Every one of us in here does. Yet God forgives. Thankful that he offers me salvation. I'm thankful that he offers me forgiveness even after salvation. And I've said it. There are times I get bullheaded and I'm just, this is what I'm going to do. And God's like, Adam, you're blowing it. And I'm thankful that I can come back to him and say, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. God, I failed. Lord, I need forgiveness. And God is always there offering that to me. Not because I deserve it. Because he's just faithful to give forgiveness. By the way, and this wasn't a part of the message, but um, does God not call us to be like him? And that forgiveness we ought to be faithful with. You know, in order for there to be forgiveness, someone has to have wronged you. I don't have to forgive someone for something if they haven't done anything wrong to me. Yet the Bible says I'm supposed to forgive my brother not seven times, but 70 times seven. Man, that means they wrong me and I'm willing to forgive. That's a hard thing to do. Man, you ever had someone that you really had a problem with and that we just hold on to that bitterness? Man, we hold to it like somehow that defines us. And God says what should be defined in your life, what should define you is forgiveness. I'm thankful that he always, always forgives. He is faithful to forgive us. I love this one, Lamentations chapter number three. This goes hand in hand with that. Lamentations chapter number three. And I can't get there, so don't feel bad if you're still turning. It's right after Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter number three. And look with me down in 22 and 23. These are incredible verses. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Man, I'm thankful that God is faithful in mercy. Man, how many times do we need mercy? He talked about forgiveness. And we get our place ourselves in a spot where we're looking for forgiveness. Um, and I ask God to forgive me, and then I got to turn right around and ask him for mercy. And you ever looked at what the Bible says about consequences for sin? You ever looked at things that say the sins of the father will be passed down to the third and fourth generation? Man, that takes on a whole new light. When you're looking and saying, man, I've got kids that are following me. And I mess up here. And that's influencing their lives. God, I, I, need, I need forgiveness and I need mercy for me. God, I need mercy for my kids. Well, they got a dad who messes up. They got a dad who makes bad decisions. They got a dad who has problems with his attitudes and loses his temper. They got a dad who, who is imperfect. Who, If I'm not careful, they start bearing the weight of my sin. 
God, I need mercy on me, but I need mercy on my kids. And I'm thankful that he is faithful in his mercies. Man, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Man, he saved me. I'm not going to be consumed in hell. And I'm thankful for that. But because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Every morning, man. It ever seemed like you're going to the Lord asking him for forgiveness and mercy. And the next day you're like, Lord, I know I asked you to forgive me and have mercy on it for that yesterday. Lord, it's the exact same thing today. Lord, I need your mercies. I need your forgiveness. And God offers mercy over and over and over again. He's faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. And I'm thankful for the mercies of God. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, 34, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And there's no end. He's always merciful. Man, I need that. Here's the thing I, I mentioned earlier. When I start looking at frustrations, things that aren't working the way I think they should, people that are making decisions, I think, oh, they shouldn't do that. People that have wronged me, people that have said something, um, man, problems that I'm running into. Why is this not working? Um, problems at work. Man, my problems at work this week are in Washington. And No, I'm, I'm teasing. Um, man, but uh, dealing with people, dealing with issues, dealing with problems, things not working the way you want them to work. And man, man I get my eyes on that stuff and I forget about how merciful he's been to me. You know, um, we are kind of like at times the uh, servant in the Bible. That his ruler brought him in and said, buddy, you owe me a lot of money. You better pay up. He says, oh, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I, I don't have it. Don't throw me into debtor's prison. I can't pay it. Have mercy. Have mercy. And he's like, I'm going to wipe it all out. You're free to go. I'm going to show mercy. And that servant goes out and finds a servant who owes him a little bit of money. Where's my money at, buddy? You don't have my money? You're going in debtor's prison until you can pay me off. Is that not us? Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. Your mercies are new every morning. You've been merciful to me. You scumbag, what'd you say to me? You dirtwad, how'd you treat me? Well, we got all kinds of names we can come up with. I won't go any farther. Um, my kids will hear too much there. But... Um, Man, God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And we ought to extend mercy. When my eyes are on him, those problems that I got with everybody else, they get smaller and smaller. Because I'm looking at his faithfulness. Uh, Psalms 143. Psalms 143. We see God is faithful in answered prayers. Psalms 143 and verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication. In thy faithfulness answer me. And in thy righteousness. Man, David knows I can go to the Lord and I can ask him to hear my prayer and give ear to my supplication because he is faithful. In thy faithfulness answer me. Lord, I'm coming to you and I need answers to my prayers. And God is always faithful. Not that he always gives us the answer we want. Sometimes I've, I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know if you heard my prayer. And he's like, yes, I, I heard your prayer, but I know what you really need. 
It's not always the answer I want, but he always answers our prayers. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And God is faithful in answered prayers. Faithful. I said sometimes it's not the answer we want. Sometimes it's not when we want. And you ever have something that you're praying for and God's got a whole different time schedule? Um, man, I do. I, I think of this. I, 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 um, George Mueller, I, I feel like I mentioned him earlier. Um, but um, he was known as getting prayers answered. He prayed to God and God would answer. As a matter of fact, um, he, had, uh, he started orphanages and uh, had a lot of orphans. Um, ended up, there were like over 10,000 orphans who went through his orphanages. And, um, but he had a, an orphanage, uh, had 300 there, and got up the morning, and they were like, there is no food. There's no food. And he said, have, have all the kids sit down at the tables, and we're going to come out, we're going to pray. And he goes out, and he prays and thanks God for the food, and they just sit down and wait. And within a few minutes, there was a knock at the door. And they come and open it, and it's a baker. And he said, I couldn't sleep last night. And God just told me that you were going to need some bread today. And so he brought in a, br- a bunch of bread for all the kids. And as he's bringing that in, there's another knock at the door. And it's the milkman. And he says, hey, the, the wheel just fell off my wagon out here in front of the orphanage. And by the time it's fixed, the milk is going to be spoiled. Can you use the milk? And they brought it in, and they all sat down and ate. He didn't know that's how God was going to answer his prayer. He just knew God was going to answer his prayer. And so he sat down in faith. Kids, sit down at the table. Let's thank the Lord for the food. You don't think there wasn't someone looking at him like, what are you doing? You are an idiot. And any of you ever feel like, pastor, what are you doing? How is this going to happen? You just going to pray and it's going to happen? Uh, Man, knowing that God will answer prayers. Um, I I put this here. I've got a a quote from him. In November of 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on the land, on the sea, whatever the pressure of my engagements might be. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thanked God and prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed, and then the second was converted. I thanked God for the second and prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them, and six years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for the three and went on praying for the other two. These two remained unconverted. Uh, That was a quote from him. Thirty-six years later, he wrote that the other two, sons of one of his friends, were still not converted. He wrote, but I hope in God and pray and look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. Fifty-two years after he began to pray daily without interruption, those two men were finally converted. He was already dead. He didn't live to see it. But he prayed knowing that God would answer his prayers. I'm thankful that our God is faithful in answered prayers. There is no prayer that God cannot answer unless we don't pray. Man, I'm thankful that God is 
faithful to hear and to answer our prayers. I'm thankful um, God is faithful in fellowship. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9. 1 Corinthians 1.9. He is faithful in his fellowship with us. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful in fellowship. Uh, James 8 or 4.8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And God is faithful in that fellowship. I'm thankful for that. You ever had a time when you didn't have an answer, you were down, you were discouraged, you didn't know which way to turn, and you just got alone with God. Kind of like David as he comes back and the enemy has come through and destroyed Ziklag and taken his, his family and all his men's families and all the spoils. And they come back and they're like, where's our families? Where's our town? Everything is gone. Everything is destroyed. And David's own men look and say, you led us away from here. You open the door for the enemy to get in. We're going to stone you and kill you. The Bible says David got alone. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And you ever had a time you had to encourage yourself in the Lord? And I already mentioned it, the, the, the four-wheeler accident. And you've heard the story before, so I'm not going to go long on that. But, man, I remember when we were there and... Um, uh, going and we were down here and they were flying Ellie up to the hospital and I was in there with Evie um, telling her everything was going to be okay and they had to give her a shot and they were like, this won't hurt. I'm like, yeah, honey, you're fine, you're fine. She still gets after us about it and then they went, cha! And she went, Wah! And um, I'm trying to tell her it's going to be okay and, uh, you know, trying to be strong and going in and, and seeing Ellie. And you guys have heard, we got up there like 4 o'clock in the morning and I came in and saw Ellie's forehead and um, uh, then of course, brother Richard, I was like, Lord, three people that we love, that we care about, Lord, what is going on? And I come in and I see my girls like that. And I'm just like, Lord, why do you allow this? Why couldn't this have been me? Lord, I give anything for that. This isn't right. And, um, before we left for Atlanta, pastor ran out to our house to get the stuff we would need and, uh, told him everything. And I remember specifically telling him, I need my Bible. It's, uh, it's in my briefcase right by the, the fireplace there. I need my Bible. And he brought it. He brought that, brought our clothes and stuff. And we took off, got up to Atlanta, and I walked in. And um, I, I broke down. I was strong up until then. And I just broke down. And I, I'm there, and I'm trying to talk. I can't talk. I just keep crying. And um, I'm just like, it's not right. It's not right. And I'm looking and kept going through my mind, get your Bible. And I kept saying, there's nowhere I can turn in there for comfort in this. And get your Bible. I was like, there's no, I'm not going to get it. There's nowhere I can turn. This is, these are my girls. Like, this isn't right. It's not fair. There's nowhere I can turn that I can get comfort. And I argued with God to my shame. It's four o'clock in the morning. And um, we tried to sleep. Not, not much sleep in there. And um, seven o'clock in the morning, I get up and I go over and I sit down by Ellie and I take her hand, and I, I'm just crying every time I open my mouth, and um, I, I can't figure anything out, and I knew again, get your Bible, and to be honest with you, I still didn't want to get my Bible, but I'd made a commitment to God a long time ago that I was going to read my Bible every day, 
And I got up kind of with an attitude. I had to walk around the bed and go over to where my Bible is. And I kind of walked over there like, okay, God, I promised you that I would read my Bible. Where are you going to have me turn? What do you got for me? I pick up my Bible and I go back and I plop myself down in the chair and I grab her hand with this, this hand and I open my Bible and I start reading and I'm reading in Luke. To be honest with you, the chapter in Luke did, didn't really have anything specific for my situation. It was just that it was the Word of God. And I began to fellowship with God. And man, the comfort and the peace as I begin to read, and then I didn't want to stop. And I keep turning, and then, then I go to Psalms, and I start reading through the Psalms. And God given me comfort. Why? Because of a fellowship with Him. And here I was saying, I don't want a fellowship with you. This isn't right. This isn't fair. And God said, but I want a fellowship with you because I'm faithful. I, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care why you're upset. I don't care what it is. I want that fellowship with you. And God comes down and he gives a peace. I'm thankful for the fellowship with God. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And, and I, I hasten through these. I'll just read these verses for you. I'm thankful that God is faithful to establish us. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. I'm thankful that God says, hey, I, 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 I know where you're at. I know how you, you think your life is all in tor- turmoil and you don't know which way to turn. Uh, hey, I'm going to establish you. I'm going to put you there. And what, what comes to my mind when I think about that establishment is Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we may, also be, we may be also glorified together. God says, hey, I'm going to establish you. You know why? You're my heir. You're my son. I love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to establish you. You may feel like at this point in your life, I don't know which way to turn. I don't know which way is up. I don't see God at work. And God says, hey, I'm here for you. And I promise you, I'm going to establish you. I'm going to take care of you. I have a plan. I have a direction for you. I'm, I'm thankful that he has a plan 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who, will, who also will do it. And when God calls us to do something, he does it. Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And he's faithful. Numbers 23.19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should not repent. Hath he said it, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I mean, God has a plan for you, everyone in here. It's not, oh, God has a certain plan for this person and everybody else just kind of do your own thing and, you know, it'll work out. No, God has a plan for every one of us. And I'm thankful for that. He is faithful. He's got a plan for us. He's going to establish us. I run to Jeremiah 29, 11 all the time. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He said, I have an end that I'm working to. I told my daughter this the other day. You know, we're going through this and looking and trying to figure it out. And I say, you know what? Here's the thing. I would do anything I could to take the problems that she has and put them on me. Anything I could. But I know this, that God says, Evie is over there right now, but I've got an end for her here. I know what it takes to get her here. Every step along the way, I have designed a path specifically for her, just like he has a path designed for me. If I could take it from her, I would hinder God working in her life. 
And I'm thankful for the peace that comes from knowing God has an expected end. He's, he's not done with me. He doesn't ever look down and say, oops, boy, I blew it. I wonder how Adam's going to come through that one. No, no, he's got a plan. He says, Adam, I got a path for you. I've got something there for you. And then finally, this one here. I'm thankful that he is faithful to provide an escape. First Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Man, I'm thankful for that. God has a plan. He, he has a desire for me. And he's like, hey, Adam, you're going to go through some things that are going to try you. You're going to go through sometimes those things that I get my eyes on that frustrate me, that upset me, that I say it's not fair, that I look at and say, this should be different, or, man, God, you should deal with that person. How, how are they treating me this way? And I'm going to go through some of those, and God says, hey, there's going to be a temptation to get the wrong attitude. There's a temptation to get angry. There's a temptation to do things on your own. But I want you to know as that comes along, I have provided a way to escape. He said, hey, there's going to be opportunity to sin. We always say, oh, they fell into sin. No, we didn't. We walked into sin. If I have my eyes open, God's got a way to escape. Now, and I know what we mean when we say that we fell into sin. And um, I sure don't want to say, well, I just went out and decided to sin. But man, God's got a way to escape. All I got to do is look for it. He said, he is faithful and will, with the temptation, provide a way to escape. He is faithful. God is faithful. When I'm looking and I'm getting frustrated, my eyes are on all the circumstances and the people around me and the things going on, and I'm looking and I'm getting frustrated. It's because that's where my eyes are. I forgot about how faithful he is to me. Someone wrongs me. I forgot about all the mercy and forgiveness that I needed from him. I go through a situation that, Lord, this, everything's topsy-turvy. I can't see which way's up. I forgot that he says, hey, Adam, I've got a plan for you. I'll establish you. And God is faithful to us. You know, I hope as we looked at these different things and that God brought something to your mind about how God's been faithful. It's been a good time the last couple days. I've been going around singing, He's been faithful, faithful to me. I've been thinking about it. And God starts bringing up, hey, Adam, remember? Oh, Lord, I don't know if I thanked you for that one. But thank you for your faithfulness. Man, a little later, God says, hey, Adam, remember? Oh, Lord, thank you for that. You know what the difference is? I started looking at him and his faithfulness. I wish I could tell you that's how I live. But how quick do we get our eyes on the circumstance and the people around us? Now, what are we looking at? When's the last time we took some time to just say, like in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, Know therefore the Lord thy God. God, I want to know you a little better. He is God, the faithful God. Lord, I want to be focused on your faithfulness to get me through the trials of life. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Forgive us for our unfaithfulness. Getting our eyes on everything else and forgetting to stay focused on you. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. You say, I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise your hand? I know for sure if I was to die, I'm on my way to heaven. Thank you. You can put your hands down. You say, I don't know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise your hand? I don't know. I haven't had that forgiveness, that mercy. You say, in some way tonight, God spoke to my heart. Would you raise your hand? What are we focused on? If you'd stand to your feet as the instruments play, the altar is open. Do business with God. Choose to be focused on his faithfulness.